The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, January 18th. In today's news, a new report says President Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress about his business dealings with Russia. It turns out the administration separated thousands more migrant families than they previously admitted. And Mitch McConnell is actively recruiting Mike Pompeo to run for Senate. But first, the big idea. Bringing the government shutdown no closer to an end, President Trump canceled Nancy Pelosi's planned trip to Afghanistan this weekend in retaliation for her suggestion that he postpone his State of the Union address. The bus to take Pelosi and top Democrats to the airport was already parked at the Capitol. They were all set to board and depart for a visit to meet with military leaders in Brussels and then to see the troops in Afghanistan. But then Trump publicly announced he was going to block them from using military aircraft. He said Pelosi could fly commercial to Afghanistan if she wants to. Democrats responded furiously and accused the president of acting like a child. Lawmakers' visits to war zones are typically kept secret for security reasons, so Trump's decision to disclose the travel plans at all was a significant breach of protocol. And there's undeniably a double standard here. Trump himself visited Iraq a week after the shutdown began. And just two hours after Trump stopped Pelosi from using a military aircraft to go to a combat zone, First Lady Melania Trump boarded an Air Force jet for a flight to Palm Beach, so she can spend the weekend luxuriating at Mar-a-Lago. Initially, the White House also said yesterday afternoon that a delegation of Trump political appointees would still travel to Davos next week for the posh economic conference at a fancy resort. But after hours of blowback, Sarah Sanders emailed reporters to say they won't go after all. Just when you think things can't get worse on the Hill, they do. Congress has adopted a morose outlook on resolving this impasse after a bipartisan Senate effort to reopen the government failed for a second time. With most members headed home for the long weekend, the partial shutdown is guaranteed now to enter a second month. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, meanwhile, refused a request to testify before Congress on how the shutdown will affect tax season. Typifying the acrimony up on the Hill, a Republican lawmaker appeared to shout yesterday afternoon, quote, go back to Puerto Rico at a Latino colleague standing on the House floor. Representative Jason Smith from Missouri later insisted he wasn't specifically yelling at Tony Cardenas, a Democrat from California. Smith admitted making the statement. His spokesman said the congressman was speaking to all the members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus who went to Puerto Rico last weekend to inspect hurricane damage, not just one member of Puerto Rican descent. Hours later, Cardenas said Smith called him up, took responsibility, and apologized. Meanwhile, as the political paralysis gets worse, many government agencies are scrambling to continue or resume basic operations to limit the fallout of this shutdown, even when that means forcing people to work without pay. The State Department ordered employees to return to work next week without pay. The TSA acknowledged finally yesterday that the lengthy shutdown is affecting employees' ability to come to work, with many calling in sick, even though the White House continues to deny that's the case. And some agencies have had to deal with small-scale rebellions among the employees they're requiring to show up for work. 
Thousands of federal workers have recently refused to put any work-related travel expenses on their personal credit cards, unsure when they'll be repaid. States are reporting a sharp increase in the number of unemployment claims filed by federal workers, but the U.S. Labor Department sent guidance to those states yesterday saying that hundreds of thousands of federal workers who are working without pay don't qualify for any unemployment benefits. I flicked at this a little yesterday morning, but sources inside federal law enforcement agencies are saying that the shutdown is undermining important and ongoing investigations. Most travel for law enforcement has been canceled, and law enforcement officials say that key undercover cases, including corruption probes, have been stymied in recent weeks. Supervisors feel they can't approve travel or cash for those sensitive operations. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Friday. Number one, this is a doozy. Trump allegedly instructed his fixer and longtime consigliere, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. And he also continued to receive updates about the project during the 2016 campaign. This is according to an explosive report from BuzzFeed News. The story in BuzzFeed cites two unnamed federal law enforcement officials to report that Trump apparently supported a plan set up by Cohen to visit Russia during the campaign in order to personally meet Vladimir Putin and jumpstart the negotiations for the tower. And even as Trump told the public that he had no business dealings with Russia, the sources say that Trump and his children, Ivanka and Don Jr., received regular detailed updates about the real estate development from Cohen, whom they put in charge of the project. Now, Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani dismissed this report, saying, quote, If you believe Cohen, I can get you a great deal on the Brooklyn Bridge. But according to BuzzFeed, special counsel Bob Mueller learned about Trump's alleged directive for Cohen to lie to Congress through interviews with multiple witnesses from the Trump organization, as well as internal company emails, text messages, and a cache of other documents. Cohen then acknowledged those instructions during his interviews with Mueller's team of prosecutors. Top congressional Democrats say that if this BuzzFeed story is accurate, Trump must quickly be held to account for his role in perjury and what they say would constitute clear-cut obstruction of justice. Several House Democrats this morning are raising the specter of impeachment. Number two, the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services has issued a scathing report saying that the Trump administration separated thousands more migrant families than they previously disclosed and that the policy existed for nearly a year before Trump appointees acknowledged it. In fact, while Trump political people were publicly insisting there was no child separation policy, they were privately directing the implementation of the policy. The report lays out this duplicity in detail. The report also says no one in the government bothered to systemically keep account of how many kids were being taken away from their parents until a lawsuit last spring triggered by Trump's zero-tolerance policy compelled them to. This raises basic questions of competence. As a result of the lawsuit, the government identified about 2,700 separated kids in federal custody as of June, some of them infants and toddlers. An early draft of the family separation policy shows the Trump administration considered denying migrant children asylum hearings altogether, and they also considered specifically targeting the parents for criminal prosecution. In one comment on an internal document, a Trump person at the Justice Department suggested that Customs and Border Protection could see that children who have been separated from their parents would be denied asylum hearings before immigration judges, which are typically awarded to kids who arrive at the border alone. 
Instead, the entire family would be given an order of expedited removal and then separated, placing the child in the care of HHS while both the child and the parent awaited deportation. The ACLU says it appears that they wanted to have it both ways, to separate children from their folks, but also deny them the full protections generally awarded to unaccompanied children. Number three. Mitch McConnell is trying to recruit Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to run for the open Senate seat in Kansas. Senate GOP leaders have been so dedicated to recruiting the former congressman that the majority leader directly urged him to consider it in a telephone call. By the time Kansas Republican Senator Pat Roberts announced he was retiring this month, GOP leaders were already eyeing Pompeo. They've conducted internal polls that shows he's their strongest candidate. They're also worried about losing what should be a safe seat because Democrats made huge gains in Kansas during the midterm elections. Now, Trump doesn't want to lose Pompeo from the State Department. He sees him as his favorite cabinet member. Privately, though, Pompeo is leaving the door open to leaving Foggy Bottom. The secretary's associates tell us that he's in no rush to reach a verdict. He thinks he has some time. In other potentially significant Senate news, retired astronaut Mark Kelly, the husband of former Democratic Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, is actively considering challenging appointed Arizona Senator Martha McSally next year. A spokesman for Kelly confirms his interest, and there's an outside pack that's spending six figures on ads trying to drum up a draft Kelly campaign. Two other prized Democratic recruits to keep an eye on that could determine which party controls the Senate. Stacey Abrams, who came just short in the Georgia governor's race, is looking at taking on David Perdue next year. And former Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack may challenge Joni Ernst in Iowa. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, January 18th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. In observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we will be off on Monday. If you have some time over the long weekend, I'd urge you to take a look at Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail if you haven't recently. There's a lot in there to reflect on that still resonates in 2019. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday.